Welcome to Sticks and Taps, where the conversation is hockey and the keg is always cold. The games will be on soon, so let's step up to the bar, grab a pint, and get into it. Your host, Paul Cuthbert and Liam McGuire. Slanta, fellas, and don't forget to pay your tabs. Oh, good stuff there, your man. My God, we're back at Sticks and Taps. The bar is back open. Yours truly, Mr. Paul Cuthbert here in the great city of New York, and we're going to do this quick and bring this man back from the great city of Ottawa, Mr. Liam McGuire. Liam, what's up, my friend? It's been a while. Polly, Polly, the, the bar never closed here, buddy. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's been a while. It's great to hear that tune again. Yeah, it is. Great to hear Seamus's voice, and it's equally even more better, actually, to hear yours, my friend, and... uh well, it's long overdue, but a sabbatical that was uh, maybe necessary at the time, given the circumstances. But uh, here we are, right in the midst of some great semifinal action in the NHL, and and I'm sure some uh, some fantastic stuff that we'll be able to to chat about in the next little bit. Oh yeah, geez, I mean, I forgot my intro. I've got everything. So, <laughs> to the old faithful who knows the show, I'll uh, we'll get that going next week as we get back into the rhythm here. But uh, I'm just uh, excited to plug this back in again. Uh, uh, we were last on air back in May, so this was even before um, you know the tournament got started and training camps and nothing. And uh, so me and you have gone on and we've uh, enjoyed our summer because we usually wouldn't be talking hockey in the summer there, Liam. Anyway, you know, so. Uh, Nope. All new to us, but we're we're back here, everybody. To all the fans who have been uh, following us, and and uh, you know appreciate your patience here during the break. But we're back, and uh, Liam, like I said, I appreciate you, you coming back here with me. And, and like I said, it's just great to uh, to hear your voice and and get a chance to fire this show up again. And we're gonna we're gonna be actually talking about games and players again, which is great. And uh, for everybody yep. listening to, we're gonna keep our tradition that we did during the uh, the lockdown. Uh, which is um, the Irish song and the toast at the end of every show. So we'll keep that going, too. So, mate, look, first of all, how you been, buddy? How's your summer? Yeah, man. Well, you know, we, we've had a couple of cursory conversations, so you and I are pretty much up to speed on where things are at. And as I understand it, I think your family are healthy, thank God, and uh, and uh, has our mine. Um, you know, I've had no personal uh, experience um, through family or friends. I had one friend. Um, in fact, he was the only firefighter, or at least initially the first firefighter in the province of Ontario, who was uh, stricken with COVID. And he was actually hospitalized for, with it for, I believe, two days, possibly three. And of course, he has since fully recovered and, uh, and he's 100% fine. I don't know of anybody else personally that's had it, but it's been, um, it's been, it's been definitely a, um, a massive game changer for me professionally. Otherwise, there's no doubt the nature of what I do, uh, what I've tried to do anyway to carve out a living for the last number of decades largely involves um, talking to groups of people. <laughs> so you can't gather. It's going to make it very difficult for me to uh, to be able to do what I what I typically am hired to do. So that's that's been frustrating. But you know, life uh, goes on. I'm in I'm in good shape uh, mentally and physically and. And hopefully uh, sooner rather than later, there's a light at the end of the tunnel. But the family's healthy. Uh, my kids are fine. My mom is doing good, and uh, my brothers, and 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 so so are all of my friends. So I'm I'm uh, very thankful for that. And here we are, we're back talking hockey, which is there's nothing I love to do more. Absolutely. Other than having a cold pint, maybe playing a bit of golf. But uh, you know, I love talking <laughs> hockey, and, and it's uh, great to be back with you doing it. 
and Canada didn't run out of alcohol, so that's good too, right? <laughs> then you wouldn't really. No, have I problems. took my best shot at it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I know that uh, there's. Um, it's funny the locals. You know, everybody, and if you live in a small town as I do, south of the nation's capital here in Ottawa, we are technically since amalgamation, which I believe was 2001, have been amalgamated. We're the southernmost part of the city of Ottawa, if you will, from from what used to be Ottawa proper to now what they call, you know, the, the, the new city since amalgamation. So it's basically 20 years. So I am part of Ottawa, but I'm in a small town and every small town has a corner store and every corner store has has local families typically owning it and running it. And, and in our case here in the village of Osgood, it's the Raymond's confectionery and it's run by Alan and Mike Raymond and I played minor hockey with Mike and they're dear friends of mine and they basically took it over from their father who bought it in 1971 when it was a garage and just a really little convenience store well they sell alcohol there and uh, they, they're, they're basically an LCBO outlet a liquor control board of Ontario outlet so they can sell spirits and wine and and uh, things of that nature and they have a, a a pretty big beer fridge and they they've brought in my brand which is Molson Export Ale but what they've told me and they told me this a number of weeks back Polly is that uh the there's their uh, alcohol sales are epic record setting proportions <laughs> 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 well you know you got a third of the population aren't working and and uh, people trying to get by and, and, you know, they're just they're just taking a drink to, you know, for soulless purposes and to try and get them through these long, harrowing days and whatever the case may be and possibly dealing with other things. And sometimes a, a drink at, uh, you know, eight or nine a.m. can help get the day off at a good start. <laughs> uh, now, I know, anyway. you know, you put things into perspective and now I know why when I pull up to my local distributor, he is smiling and arms, arms wide open. How's it going, yeah. Polly? <laughs> what do you need today, my friend? Yeah, the usual, the usual, Polly. <laughs> Back the truck up, we'll load it for you. <laughs> oh, man. Well, like I said, uh, it's great you're doing well, uh, doing well down here in uh, New York, too, family, and uh, everybody's good and uh so um, I got to tell you, man, let's let's jump into this. Um, like I said, it's been a while, but we, me and you, the reason we put this show together was to talk about hockey. And obviously, like everybody else, March, boom, it ended. Uh, you had just come, to, you would come into town here in Philly uh, for, for St. Patrick's weekend. You were going to do something with the Flyers, and then obviously the, the world stopped, and then me and you kept the show going. Uh-huh. And we basically turned the show into, you know, you, you know, right in your wheelhouse, which is NHL history. And uh, for anybody listening today for the first time, uh, definitely check out the archives. Uh, and we did, you know, you basically gave us some great stories, which you always do. And you've done, done throughout your career and stuff as, a, as an author and a historian. And uh, it's been great. So we kind of figured out a way to keep the show going there while we didn't have real hockey. And now we've got real hockey back. And uh, let's just start off right off the bat, Liam, and, and, and maybe just ask you, in the simplest way, um, you know, I have to say a, a great nod to the NHL and Gary Bettman and the league and the NHLPA for the players. If you just step back a little bit, and we are in the Final Four right now, we've got two fantastic series going on. And uh, the hockey's been great uh, as far as I'm concerned, but the fact that they put it all together, the bubble, um, what's just been your quick take on, on the whole experience, uh, you know, as a historian, uh, as a fan, and um, just in terms of what the league has done here and the players, how they performed? Well, I think two thumbs up all the way across the board. I <clears throat> obviously I was a huge proponent of the 
initial efforts that were set forth to bring hockey back. I, I could not believe the number of people who just wanted the league and every, and every facet of it to pack it in and shut it down. Uh, it, it's just the way the nature of a lot of people are today and the way they comment on social media and they just, you know, it suited their agenda to be negative about it and not even give it a chance. And, and now here we are weeks later with countless thousands of tests done that are being done daily and not one negative COVID test. I, I think it's just a testament to the commitment of the players, the infrastructure, the staffs that have been brought in, uh, including some friends of mine in different areas of have, have contributed to the infrastructure of it all. And I think what we've seen on the ice has, has been absolutely spectacular. I mean, sure, there's been some moments, some games, maybe some efforts that weren't as forthcoming, let's say, had we continued in a totally normal vein right through the rest of the season and into what would have been, say, just say a normal playoff run. But for the most part, and especially now in the semis here, with the action that we've seen and the four teams that are left, I think things are unfolding basically as they probably should have, with the exception maybe of Boston. That would be the only thing I would say is that they probably got as ripped off as anybody because they were so dominant in all aspects when the league shut down and they just never really quite got up to firing on every cylinder. I don't think losing in five to Tampa is anything that would have happened had they played through regularly. But other than that, I, I do believe that uh, everything else we've seen has, has been fantastic. Everything else we're hearing has been fantastic. And I'm thrilled with it. I'm so happy to have it back. Those first few days, my God, Paulie, we've had games. We've had days with four or five games in <laughs> those early days. It was crazy. It was crazy. It was like March Madness of hockey. And uh, I just love some of the images, you know, what the teams are playing and the other teams that were in the bubble, whether it be the East or the West, and some of the players would be in the stands, just like you're back playing minor hockey. <laughs> some of them must have felt that way, you know? And I thought that was pretty cool. But uh, you've had some controversy, officiating issues. That's still the norm. You've had uh, better than average goaltending. I mean, the goaltending has been absolutely off the charts from the play-ins right through. You've had some incredible offensive performances. You had the fourth longest game in NHL history. Yep. So, you know, you've, you've, you've had some just what you would expect in any other given year. Some outstanding hockey stories that have, and not the least of which, everything falling under the umbrella of countless thousands of COVID tests and not one positive result. And here we are down to four teams. Uh, you know, in a, in a week's time, uh, a little more, it will have our Stanley Cup final. They've already moved up the draft. They've moved up free agency. They're still talking about an 82-game season next year. What is there not to like? What If you're a hockey fan, what has there been not not to like? I mean, sure, if you as a fan, if you normally you lived in an area where you could have got to a game, possibly, for sure. I get that. But just from a viewer's point of view, I can't, I can't see why there'd be one negative comment made, and there certainly aren't going to be any from me. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that is a funny thing. I mean, you, you know, anybody I've seen complain about this or that or anything, it's like, are you kidding me? We're, we're lucky to be watching the games at all. We're lucky to be having this. I mean, the, when you sit yeah. back and you, when we, we were, you know, we were all, you know, projecting and, you know, just guessing and, and so on and so forth, and to see the whole thing come to light and to see where we're at right now, like I said, uh, last four teams and a, a cup champion here to be announced, and, and obviously now they've got a model uh, that they can use to 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 really just kind of move on to next year, and, and 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 until we can all get back and 
and, and to watching the games. And, you know, when you take the game as a big perspective, uh, even with, you know, if it's a 18, 19,000 people in a building, the majority of your fan base is watching your game on TV anyway. So it's um, I think it's just been fantastic. There, there's I don't think there's any real reason to complain. I think it's just human nature. Once people get back into the rhythm of anything, they want to complain. But I have to say it's just been absolutely wonderful. Um, you know, being a summer kind of guy and, you know, younger kids and other stuff going on, um, I was bopping in and out of those first few rounds, you know, and, and, and obviously following the Rangers until they got knocked out as well. But um, uh, the, the middle rounds there, I kind of tailed off a little because I was doing beach things, had vacations going and everything else. But uh, I've been watching here the, um, the the conference finals and, and obviously the last few games, you know, um, in, the, in the round before the conference finals, you know, you had those 3-1 series and those teams coming back to tie in them, uh, seven-game series. I mean, it was just – Phenomenal! It was just great hockey to see these teams come back and everything else. So um, there really is, to me, like I said, any fan to complain about it, you, you need to, you know, go bang yourself your head on a wall or something because it's the fact to be watching it and seeing it and everything else. With that said, Liam, I got to ask you a question. With everything, and, and, and I want to go look because you bring up a great thing about, like, the guys in the bubble and everything else, and I know they've got a series on that. Uh, at NHL.com where you can watch Life in the Bubble, and I definitely want to check that out. I'm a fan of that kind of stuff. I watched Hard Knocks, the NFL. I just recently watched some of the uh, the Rams and the Chargers, and that, you know, taking it behind the scenes. So you get to see, you know, how it all works, you know, uh, before game time, you know what I'm saying? So that's great stuff. But I want to ask you, you know, these players have had to have a lot of discipline, um, been away from their families, friends, normal life, everything else, you know, uh, Pete DeBoer was joking there in the last round, too. Hey, we've got everything we need here, hockey and beer. Um, but these guys have had to be disciplined. You talk about the cases and the health and everything else. D- where will this Stanley Cup champion rank for you as opposed to regular normal seasons? And I know we can go back to, you know, you a historian, like, you know, years during the, the, the wars, you know, world wars and Vietnam and all that stuff and all those tough times. But... As far as this Stanley Cup and the way these players have had to commit to this, um, where do you, where does the Stanley Cup champion, the winner of this tournament, rank for you as opposed to maybe you know champions in the past? Where, where does it sit for you this whole experience? Well, let's put it this way: there, there's no doubt this year will be remembered for what it is and what it was, what it has been, and what it's going to be when it plays itself out here in the next few weeks, <clears throat> depending on what happens uh, with the world going forward, I I think we're all fairly comfortable in saying that whatever degree we would consider being normal isn't probably going to be that way until there is a vaccine. So until we see what we got with that and how the hockey's going to look, right now, this is our new normal, even potentially on a go forward for 2020-2021. I'm looking at this and saying, I think the NHL did a bang-up job by getting 24 teams to participate initially with the buys that were there for the division leaders and the others playing those best of five play play-ins. The fact that they kept the integrity of four best of sevens for to still ultimately win on top of whether you played in the play-in games or whether you were just in the round robin to determine seating, I, I, I think is outstanding. And like I said earlier, you don't, I mean, if you're watching the games, and I am watching every game, you are seeing the effort, the commitment, the intensity, the fervor. Even look at last night, there was another fight. There's been all, there's been fights. I mean, Shannon, Matt Martin going at it last night. 
there's there's been lots of lots of battles. Uh, like I said, lots of lots of stuff that would indicate that these guys are all into this. And if they're all in and they're making that commitment and this effort and we're seeing the results on the ice in terms of the quality of the play, look at the way Nathan McKinnon, Braden Point, hopefully not hurt too bad for Tampa, among so many others that have played just absolutely outstanding hockey, especially the goaltending. There are nine goalies under an average of two. Now, some of them are were in and out quick and didn't play a lot of action, but that that's this is abnormal stuff. And so to me, when this is all said and done, uh, we've got a legit Stanley Cup winner, at, albeit one that will be talked about, about playing in the, the bubble cities and under the circumstances that there were no fans and your only home ice advantage was you got last change. You know, you get to put your lineup in second and you got last change on the ice. And other than that, that's it. And and so it'll always be noted for that. God willing, this will be the only year that's noted for that. But that said, Paulie, to me, whoever wins this of the four teams left, we can talk about that in a second. But I mean, as far as I'm concerned, it's fair and square. They absolutely would have gone balls to the wall to win four best of sevens. And even if they just played the round robin games, you still did it with a with a threat of injury. There still was, you know, when Boston hadn't won one and they said, well, you know, we're just playing, you know, like Brad Marchand said, it's just exhibition games. And he was right. What they have to really worry about? And they pretty much walked all over Carolina and then just ran into a brick wall in Tampa. Simple as that. And and uh, the end of the day, yeah, I got no problem with it. I, I have no problem. And and I do, you know, it, it is largely how I've made my living is talking about the history of this game. And whether it's, whether it's uh, later this year, next year, or five years from now. And if this is the only year that ends up being like this, I will talk back about 2020. We'll all, of course, remember this. It'll probably be burned in many of our memories for, for years to come, probably through most of the rest of our lives. And I'll just look back and say, wow. You know, what a comeback by the Islanders against Tampa to get in the final and win. Or, my God, that Tampa-Vegas final was one of the best I've seen in X number of years. Or 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 Dallas finally getting their due. And what a story with Rick Bonus reminiscent of Craig Berube just last year. And whatever, whatever, you know. And and the story will write itself based on the fantastic play on the ice. And I'll, re- I'll remember that because that's what I've seen so far. I got no problem with it. It's an aberration because home ice is a game changer in some instances. And let's be honest, you know, I, I, I think it hurt some teams more. And there were some players, clearly, clearly, the Pittsburgh Penguins had no interest, no interest at all in playing beyond that play-in series with Montreal. And you could even make the case that the Washington Capitals didn't either. And there were a couple of other, maybe if not players, but teams that maybe showed a little bit of a lack of really wanting to make the commitment that was necessary. And this is from you and I, Paulie. We don't know. Yeah. We don't know what life's like. I, I heard, I see, I, I read, I, I watch I agree the with same you. thing. And, and I also think that's a human part of it as well, you know, for some of those guys to go through the motions or feel that way. For sure. Yeah, it, it's a human element. And, and they made that, you know, they checked out either because they, they already missed their families. I mean, you look at the Montreal Canadian, Thomas Tatar, didn't have a good... Uh, really didn't play well, you, you know. I mean, he's, he played his place since coming over in, in that trade. The Pacioretty trade has, has has been outstanding. He's become an absolute crowd favorite, a media darling, and and his play's been exemplary on the ice. But he was he was one of the first Canadians that was quoted as saying, "Yeah, I don't know, man. Like, you know, we just gave birth. We got a young baby. Uh, 
Uh, not sure what the league's going to do, but I'm really wondering if I should go or not. And then, you know, the few players that did back out, there was really only, you want to call them, one regular, you know, a D-man out of Calgary, and that was it, really. Yeah. Uh, you know, that was really any type of, of loss, that, you know, in the big picture. And, 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 yeah, it's human, human nature for sure. And, I, you know, we expect these guys to be somewhat robotic and say, hey, look, you're wearing a sweater. This is how you're getting paid. Go make the commitment and play your heart out. And a lot of them have, no question. And some haven't, and it's human nature. But, you know, human nature doesn't, in some cases, Paulie, look, it doesn't cut. You made a commitment, right? You made a commitment to play. You're in, you're, you're in a very high percent, very small percentile of how people make a living. You're well, com- you know, you're well uh, compensated for it. And I think with that comes certain expectations where you got to step outside the box. And whether Turco Rask, you know, I got no problem. You know, you want you want to say you want to go with your family. Then what what was what was the reason for the outburst the game before? Saying look, there's there's no atmosphere. Uh, it, it's like exhibition games. I don't really care. And then the next day he says, well, I really just miss my family. Well, which is it? Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah, you know, okay, I'll give you the uh, look. If somebody wants to go, no no problem. First of all, I should have done it before, but that's fine. You made you made your decision. Now you threw your team out high and dry, and there was no way they were winning with a lack. There's no way, no way. And they may not have won with Rask either. Probably not. But the fact is, is that he, he screwed them. He screwed them, and that's fine. You, you, you Under COVID and what's going on, I, I, I respect his decision. But where, where you saw some controversy, and not controversy, but a lot of comments on it on social media, is why the outburst the day before talking about the games, you know, and the atmosphere and everything? Why not talk about your family then and say, what? so well, which is it, you know? And so... I, just, I found that a little bit disingenuous, but I support anybody, even if somebody wanted to leave right now. What if somebody, somebody's wife gave birth? How's this started? And, and, and they hadn't, this, this is a player, maybe hadn't seen their child. And maybe, let's just say, worst case scenario, there was some complications, minor or otherwise. Who wouldn't be out of there? You'd be out of there in, in five seconds, and rightfully so, to get home. It would be see you later. I'm going home to my family right now to see what's going on with my son or my daughter or whatever. Nobody would begrudge that. But I, I think in the big picture, you know, you're looking at this at face value, and it's why Jim Rutherford freaked out and already made the trade that he did, is how crushed and disappointed he was, was to see how little interest his players had in committing to this unusual scenario. And, you know, uh, maybe you and I will disagree on this, but... I think you needed to make a commitment on this, and some guys just didn't want to do it. And in some cases, it looked like some of the older guys, and that's fine. They just said, to hell with this. Not making a commitment to hang here for eight to ten weeks and not see my family and, uh, and, and live in this type of uh, sheltered environment. And so some bailed. Guess what? Most didn't. That's why we've had the hockey we've had. I mean, come on. We've, we've had some outstanding hockey. I mean, that Vancouver series. And Cooper Vegas series, one of the best playoff series I've seen in 20 years. Yeah, that was amazing. Amazing hockey. And and uh, so among others, there's been tons of other great games. But to me, 2020, I'm giving it a big check mark. And uh, I'm looking forward to tonight, tomorrow night, and beyond. And the finals. I mean, it does look like it's pointing towards a Tampa Vegas final. Can you imagine right now, Paulie? Like that <laughs> hockey will be fantastic. Providing Braden points not hurt and... You know, Killorn's probably going to get a game here, I would think. And, uh, you know, we'll see. But, I mean, at the end of the day, if notwithstanding Steve Stamkos, Tampa right now and Vegas right now, oh, my God. 
That 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 could be that could be one of the best series we've seen in a long, long time. Yeah, I want to get into that in a little more. On on everything you were just saying, though, I, I, this is one something I want to ask you too. Um, should should maybe some how some of the teams got eliminated in this tournament? Um, should that reflect on any way uh, on any of these teams in any way? I mean, and and that, my question too about the Stanley Cup was like, if, is the winner of this Stanley Cup better than the the St. Louis? Blues team that won it last year because of the different, uh, you know, constrictions or all the different things that they had to deal with to to, to win this trophy uh, this year. But you know, like teams like the Oilers and the Leafs and the disappointments and everything else, and um, you know, as far as the Blues not getting a chance to get back in. I mean, you brought up the Bruins. You know, it should is this look? This is one and done, and we kind of move forward and everything else. Um, and and I guess the other question I want to ask in the mix of this too is. You know, who is the NHL's biggest star right now? I'm just kind of mind, trying to pick your brain in terms of, you know, we talk about the games, great hockey. we got four of the four best teams right now coming out of this. You, you alluded to all the commitment, and some guys are in. We all, and as fans, we watched, uh, you know, with the, as fans, we all had our own commitment, you know. You watched every game. Some of us didn't watch every game. Some of us couldn't watch every game. Uh, but I'm just trying to get your feel on, on, you know, the overall takeaway from this as far as, you know, how these players, how these teams, how these organizations, you brought up some great points like Rutherford, all these different um, settings, these different things that, you know, everybody had to go through from that. Obviously, the positive, and, and we're going to have a Stanley Cup champion here, and we did get to watch hockey, and it's been great hockey. But all of these other things, should it reflect too much on, on any of this, or should we just put it past so the the Leafs just chalk this up? Uh, Edmonton's got all these high hopes and everything else. Uh, so Boston's, you know, got a lot of... You know, a lot of ice on the, you know, miles on their skates and everything, and, and everything that went to go. I mean, should we just kind of just move forward with this, or do you think, uh, yeah, guys like Rutherford and everything else should be taking notes as far as moving forward? Well, I think that um, the Leafs got exposed. I mean, they've they've it's been pointing that way for the last two years. They got they got really exposed. <coughs> Excuse me. I I think in that in that loss to Columbus, they they got exposed. They are so far removed from being a Stanley Cup threat, it's not even funny. And frankly, I would say the same thing to a degree about the Montreal Canadiens. I mean, you want to just talk about the two markets here, let alone the Senators. I mean, not in the conversation right now. They will be against at some point, potentially. But they've got the worst owner in the history of pro sports, so probably not. He'll find a way to screw it up. Mm-hmm. And and uh, <clears throat> so Ottawa is really on a back burner right now, and they're going to have a real nice draft here, undoubtedly. And they've got tons of cap space if they can use it. But the Leafs, some of these other teams, even look at your own Rangers. I mean, come on. Lundqvist is not ready for prime time anymore, brother. Just like Halak wasn't. Like, at the end of the day, when the Montreal Canadiens drive for five, the second time ended in 1980, they had seven regulars out of the lineup, okay, when they lost to Minnesota in seven games, including Guy Lafleur, Guy Lapointe. Go down the line. They had seven regulars out. I don't care who you are. You can't just put somebody else on a sweater. Like if Braden Point can't go next game and Steve Stamkos is sadly hurt again, and this time even seemingly more mysteriously so, yeah. then you're not you're not bringing in someone from your 31-man taxi roster and rep- re- replacing a guy who, if the vote was today, would probably win the Conspite Trophy. So, you know, it, it's at the end of the day, you're, you, all, you are at the mercy in some instances of, of injuries. Yet, you know, having said that, Pittsburgh won a Stanley Cup without Chris Letang. This is four years ago, four seasons ago, and they won a cup without Letang, and they just had a defense by committee and, and got it done. Now, of course, anytime you got Crosby and Malkin and 
you know, Kessel was flying and, and Matt Murray came in and took over for Mark Andre and did a great job. I know all that. But teams can still overcome. I get it. But in terms of the Leafs and some of the others that you mentioned, if you can't take a look and see the makeup of, of and it's a copycat league. It always has been. Sadly, that's why the dead puck era lasted as long as it did. You know, the decade, 95 to 05, between those two first lockouts, was just crushing, crushing cure for insomnia to watch a lot of those games. It's so, it's so different now and so fast, such excellently paced, and we're still seeing the physicality. And a lot of teams should be able to take a page out of that and see where their shortcomings are. And a lot of them are the ones you just mentioned. To me, whoever wins this year does not take a backseat to St. Louis at all. I mean, St. Louis came off the mat. We all know that, you know, by New Year's Eve or just before they were last place. They changed coaches about a month before that. Berube comes in, interim coach wins a cup. And, and uh, you know, Ryan O'Reilly plays like Gretzky and, 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 and they get it done, right? Bennington is kicking out BBs and, and their defense was outstanding. And they got, they got depth scoring and they were tough. And look, people forget they went double overtime game seven against Dallas. Dallas has already won a game in overtime this year, in Game 7 to advance. Like, forget about Dallas last year. A lot of people have. They're not doing it this year with smoke and mirrors. They are a damn good club. Yeah, a lot of Their talent, defense yeah. is outstanding. So, now, I don't I don't think, to me, Paulie, this... Uh, there's no asterisk here for me. There's no asterisk at all. Whoever wins this has won it fair and square. Even more so to a degree. I mean, well, okay. That was my question. Is, yeah. this, is this a tougher trophy to win than the ones in the past? Well... That was said by uh, Nathan McKinnon and and a couple of the other guys as everything was starting and, and was saying they weren't saying it just necessarily because you had to play these extra games that were all being counted as playoff games, even though the round robin ones hardly featured quite the same intensity. I watched them all. Some of them were pretty good, but a lot of them were were you know the guy look Brad Marchand was right I, mean, I don't think the Bruins really their their give a crap meter was like at zero point five and it showed and and yet as soon as they hooked up with Carolina you saw the old Bruins at least the best they could muster and they were pretty good so at least against Carolina but you know that's another team that everybody kind of has these sort of ho- hockey's version of of uh, you know uh, sexy feelings for because it's you know they 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 did the the duck duck goose stuff post-game, and, and and it just became sort of the avant-garde thing to really sort of support their entire mission, if you will. And at the end of the day, they just don't have the depth. But everybody can pick apart holes and teams that, that I just talked about your Rangers. I mean, I think they, they're one of the up-and-coming teams. It's just They just, whatever happened to, uh, whoever you say his name there, Shesterkin, Shesterkin. however you say it. Shesty yeah. sauce, baby. Yeah, Shesty, it's called Shesty. It works for me. <laughs> However you say it. Uh, you know, I, I think the world of that guy is a goaltender. And, you know, he's sitting in the stands with a mask on. And Lundqvist just ain't getting it done, man. He didn't get it done. And and it's just, just look, you can't, you just, you, you can't replace guys that are that instrumental to your team's success. And I, I just, I love what we've seen. I don't, there's no asterisk. To me, St. Louis last year, Washington the year before, Pittsburgh two years before that, uh, Chicago, L.A., their runs go down, the Bruins in 2011, go back as far as you want. Uh, this is, I mean, there's the every team played 58 games this year. We had Stanley Cups won in 1995 and 2013 that was a 48-game season. Paulie, that's seven years ago. Yeah. They played 48 games. There's no asterisk for that. Why? 
They played four best of sevens. Well, they're doing that this year, too. Okay, well, this year you can't play in home arenas. Okay, well, does that, you know, yeah, I get that. That that sucks. But you're playing four best of sevens. The rules are all the same, you know. So I think I think people just, anybody who has a problem with it anyway, and I know a lot, a lot do. There, there are uh, maybe not as many now as there were at the start. You kind of touched on it. It's just human nature in that sense, too, to want to complain, want to be negative. And, and, and the negative, those that go on social media, they go on social media to be negative. That's what the majority of people do. They wake up every morning with a dark lining in their silver cloud. And they say, what negative thing can I say about or to somebody today? You know, whereas what they should be doing is having a shot of whiskey, maybe a little workout and getting out and seizing the day, baby. But no. <laughs> You know, that's not what a lot of people do, but that's no, what I don't. do. <laughs> <laughs> Come on and hang out for a drink with Liam himself. Change your views. That's right. Life. Buckle up your chin strap, kids, and come <laughs> for a ride with Uncle Liam. Let's see how long you can last at the bar. All right. <laughs> all right. Look, a couple of other things I want to. I want to. Um, I just want to bounce around, and and then I definitely want to talk about the the last four teams here in, in the uh, in the tournament, obviously. Um, but with all that said and everything, uh, there's two things I want to ask you real quick. Um, so with, um, you know, guys like Crosby going out, Ovechkin going out, you know, McDavid and stuff, who, who's the biggest star of this tournament for you, whether they're still in it or what you've seen? Who, who's, who's the guy who's rising to the top? And, you know, you bring up Ronto and stuff, and you talk about all the young guys, and I agree with you. I've always said they're a bunch of spoiled kids, and they're just never going to get it. They don't have no heart fight win in there, and – you know, I think you nailed it before. Like I said, they kind of, you know, prove what kind of team they are there. Um, but positive stuff aside here, you know, who's who's the NHL's biggest star right now? I'll tell you what. I think Nathan McKinnon was fast-tracking his way there. Had they found a way to win that game seven and, and advance, uh, um, God knows how many more points he was going to rack up. I mean, 25 points, 15 games. It's not just that. He was plus 13 uh, he was also very aggressive out there. He took um, a number of mi- minor penalties. Most of them, most of them were for some level of either retaliation or aggression. That was that was a, a byproduct of what had happened in that shift. And that's I love that. That's to me is a guy engaged. It's not a he's not a cheap shard artist running around out there. He's not a fighter. But I, I just think some of these these playoffs here in 2020 have been a coming out party. I would go with uh, you know who's leading Vegas in scoring. The guy who's leading Vegas in scoring is their defenseman, Shea Theodore. That's who's leading there in scoring. I think it's been a coming-out party for a guy like him. You know, what about Elias Peterson in uh, in Vancouver? Uh, it's unbelievable stuff. Uh, Rantanen, he's been solid for a couple of years. We know McKinnon's been great. Like, the last three years, he's been outstanding. Yeah. Braden Point, uh, look what he's done. I mean, this guy, and and you, t- you want to talk about big goals. He's already got a couple OT goals, I mean, including that one in the game. We all know. Uh, I watched every second of it, by the way. And it's, it's, I mean, right now, is any of this taking away from who and what Connor McDavid is? You know, I, I don't think so. I mean, I think at the end of the day, if you went to 32 general managers or 31, I guess there isn't a, a new one yet in place in Arizona, but go 32, we'll be 32 teams. And I think everybody's taking Connor number one if they could take any player in the league. I, 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 who would not? I, I really think you're still taking him number one, and you're going to surround your team around that guy. And I mean, Edmonton's exposed as well, right? With that loss, I mean, they cannot lose that series, especially the way Connor played and 
game two or whatever it was. Like you, you can't feed off that. <clears throat> Find a way to get that done. They, their holes were badly exposed as well. And they've got some big decisions to make there internally too, because you know, you don't want to waste this guy's years. And uh, you know, even though it's happened in the past, right? Steve Eiserman, he came in in 83, didn't win a cup till 97. Then look how he played the last five, six years of his career, you know, through yeah. a couple more cups in there. So I think Nathan McKinnon was probably the guy, Paulie. You know, if you're looking for a name outside of the obvious, even though that's kind of over mastering the obvious because he would be regarded by most as in the top two or three anyway. But I just think his play was so incredible during this playoff run uh, up to that final game where he kind of got shut down. And and uh, look, it happens, right? I mean, yep. not every best player. Uh, Bobby Orr won two Stanley Cups. Mario Lemieux won two Stanley Cups. Gordy Howe did not win another Stanley Cup after 1955. You know, I mean, um, go down the line. Uh, there's so many examples of that. Wayne Gretzky did not win another Stanley Cup after 1988, and he played 11 more years. Like, yeah. it's just a freakingly hard trophy to win. <laughs> yes, and And... Uh, you know, you can still be regarded as an absolute superstar in the game. And I think the way you phrased the question, and I, I think based on how you positioned it, to me, the answer's got to be Nathan McKinnon. I, I think he has come to the fore here during the 2020 playoffs, such as they are, as the most outstanding player in the game right at this moment. Notwithstanding, there isn't a GM in the world that isn't going to take Connor number one. Let's be honest. There isn't, unless they spent the whole night drinking with me and they wake up and forget about him. But there's there's no way I think you're not taking McDavid. He's just too freaking good. I don't know what happened there with him and Dreisaitl. He just couldn't get it done. They give the Hawks credit, man. But yep. uh, McKinnon, based on how you phrase the question, you got to go Nathan. Uh, I agree with that. I love the Avalanche team. Maybe that's the team that maybe – you know, a team that uh, acquires a bunch of draft picks, and uh, they're on the right track. Uh, I, yeah, I they are. Had I got through there, they they probably would have been a really good, solid uh, Stanley Cup uh, possibility here as far as champ. But they, they've got some young guys there, and they're, they're doing the right things. They're not going anywhere for the next couple of years. They're going to be all right in Rana, no doubt about it. So speaking of uh, who's the star now, i, I got to ask you, speaking of the New York Rangers and, and close to my heart, and if there was uh, any great thing about our squad getting knocked out in the, uh, the qualifying round there was um, we got the number one pick. And I want to ask you about this, <laughs> this French-Canadian kid for me and all my <laughs> New York buddies who love the strangers. Tell me a little bit about Alexei Lafreniere. We've all watched the highlights. We've all you know, seen him last year in the juniors and everything else. But I gotta, I gotta hear Liam McGuire's take on the number one pick that the Rangers most definitely will be taking this fall. Let me hear you. Yeah. Well, listen, I absolutely love this kid. Um, what what he did uh, in the World Juniors last year was, uh, I mean, you've been following along with his progress in the queue, but a lot of guys have played in the queue and lit it up and not have had the same the same type of, uh, of of success that when they've moved beyond that, although that, that reputation I think has not ceased to, uh, has ceased to be in the queue for a long time. But to me, 
his his global coming out party was last year World Juniors. I follow that very closely, as you and I know. I think we've bet a few bottles of whiskeys yeah, on I it over you, the I years. Quite a few stacks of liquor. <laughs> <laughs> a pallet it's up to right now. <laughs> I tell you what, man, we're gonna some some way somehow when this pandemic's over, you and I are gonna hook up. We're gonna have a good time. As soon as they but, let me uh, into the mix, they won't let me in the country, Liam. I swear I was bringing it up this year. <laughs> yeah, and that's got nothing to do with the pandemic. <laughs> Hey, listen, the World Juniors last year, uh, the World Juniors started as an exhibition thing in terms of North American play in 1974, became an official tournament in 77, and Canada has won it more than anybody, as you would expect, maybe not so much in recent years that you would expect that, because it's been pretty close. The state's got a couple of wins, the Finns have two, three wins, Canada has two, three wins. This is the last 10 years, the Russians got a win, got those top four, and Sweden, Sweden's got one in there too in the last 10, 12 years. This last year's tournament, to me, from a Canadian perspective anyway, because they did come on to win it, was the greatest ever. Uh, it's the greatest world junior ever. And Alexis Lafreniere, even for him to come back and play after getting hurt like he did, and how he played in that last game, and with, with the biggest the biggest microscope globally on him, the biggest global hockey microscope that could be on any player, was on him at that time. Not only that, we're in the gold medal game with 10 minutes left, and we're losing 3-1. And he lit it up. You know, Barrett Hayden did too, our captain, Team Canada's captain. But that was Lafreniere. And I bet you they fed off each other, and they both said they were going to play. And to me, look, you can look at his his numbers in – uh you know, who who knows how we would have finished the year in the queue. He had another 16, 17 games to go, I believe. He was at 100, over, well over 100 points in 50 games played in Ramuski. He's easily, easily going to be a number one pick. You are getting an absolute gem. Now, he's a winger, not a centerman. He's a winger. And and uh, th- they'll be interesting. But, Paulie, this guy is already pushing 200 pounds. He's over six foot. He is not, if you watch any World Juniors, he is not a shrinking violet. He is physical. You know what he is? I'll tell you what he is. He's like Nathan McKinnon. Well, McKinnon's a center, but I mean, he's like McKinnon in that he will initiate contact to free up loose pucks, and he's just got vision. He's got vision and and stick skills that are exemplary, just absolutely off the charts. You have got uh, just an absolute gem there. And really, frankly, well, based on all the teams that were there and had a shot at them, where better to go than Broadway? I mean, you're in the biggest house in the, the biggest city, you know, the most influential city in the world. And he's going to be on center stage there. And what he did in the World Juniors last year, and the reason I bring it up is, look, for, by, from a hockey perspective, that tournament – uh, in the last couple of weeks of December and the first week of January, there's nothing bigger. That's an annual event. You can go to the Olympics every four years if the NHL is participating. Otherwise, there's nothing, nothing close to the world junior. Yeah. And on the biggest stage, he was the biggest star. He had 10 points in five games. He was a plus player. He's already a beast physically, and his stick skills are off the charts. You guys have got an absolutely A1 blue chipper. And with Panarin there and Jabanajad and, and uh, some of the other talent, that Ranger team, 
to make a fix a few holes on D there. You're going to get uh, Shirsty in there full time in the pipes. I don't know what they're going to do with King Henry. Got to do something, buy him out or something. See you later. And uh, give him the golden handshake. The guy has been absolutely all of that and then some and the bag of chips and bought the T-shirt for the Rangers in his time there. <laughs> Everybody knows that. Got you to a Stanley Cup final, did the whole nine yards. But look, at the end of the day, it's not his team anymore. And if you can't look at the playoffs this year and, and see that, I think I think any Ranger fan is saying that is just, is just really just not looking at it the right way. And they're, they're getting a blue chipper in Lafreniere, man. You should be so super pumped about that. Oh, we are, man. There's no doubt about it. And if we got to teach some other guys to play center, I don't care. I mean, whatever it takes. But <laughs> no, I mean, listening to everything you say, I mean, not watching some of the highlights and stuff. And yeah, the vision, the skill playing, you know, the skill making, the um, the physical presence, um, just all of that, you know. And it's just we're we're we still can't believe it down here. Most of us that um, not only do we get the the pick, but the fact that you know he's the kid, and there's no doubt about that. I'm sure JD and Gordon are gonna. They're gonna ride up there on tricycles and, and whatever it is, <laughs> just and just get them, get them in, and get them locked up and get them out here. It'll be uh, exciting. Hey, look, the Rangers are in a, uh, you know, out of the tournament and everything else. The fact that they got knocked out, they weren't the Rangers gonna weren't gonna win the Stanley Cup this year. They're not gonna win the Stanley Cup next year, and maybe next two or three years. That's fine. They're building something here, and um, this was really just a huge cherry on top. And and obviously things with Hank and you know Hank and Stahl have these. Long contracts. Next year will be the last year of them, so they'll have to decide whether or not they're just going to, you know, as far as I'm concerned, they could just leave them on the team and, and then just wait one more year and then release them and then get all that money. Uh, but unless, you know, depends on what Hank wants to do. But that's mm-hmm. that's not even an issue for us anymore. As far as an organization and a team, I mean, like I said, getting uh, Lafreniere is just going to be unbelievable uh, just to have him on here. And uh, I think he's just, like I said, when you get a – when you see a player like that, Liam, and, and to hear you talk about him that way, you know, that's that's the kind of – that just means so much more as far as, yeah, he's, he's a guy who's going to stand around, around the net. He's going to, you know, he's going to put in 30, 40 goals for you. He seems like the kind of kid that's going to do a lot more for you. Last question on, on Alexa here, too, is uh, the Rangers brought in Jacques Martin, uh, assistant coach. Do you think that was particularly to, to maybe possibly work with him because he's a French-Canadian and everything else? You know what, uh, when I heard the news about Jacques going there, uh, again, as I said, Jim Rutherford exploded, right? You can't fire 20 players, so you make a trade, you gas all the assistants. I see Recky's been picked up by New Jersey. I hadn't thought of that, Pauly, but uh, um, I'm trying to just think very quickly. Are there any other French Canadians on that Ranger team? I don't know that there are. Is uh, Julian Gauthier, maybe, Brendan Lemieux, Brendan Lemieux, um, maybe Gauthier, but I don't don't know, you know, what their level of, uh, because... Lafreniere's English is is still a work in progress. Like he can certainly speak it. He's fine. Yeah, I mean, yeah. he's fluently bilingual for sure. But I mean, his his native tongue is French. There's no question. Jacques would be able to converse with him. Certainly, uh, that could be. You know, that might be. There might be a little something to that. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, just like it was with Crosby going to Pittsburgh with all the, you know, at 18 and and Ovi these these guys coming in and yeah, they all think that they're 18 going on 30 and they, they've got the world figured out. But, you know, I mean, if, if anything you could learn from how Pittsburgh handled Crosby with living at Mario's home. And I mean, if there's any if there's any city you want to make sure that there's that things are going to be run on the straight and narrow, it's having a kid like that coming into New York. Holy cow. That could uh, you want to be careful there. But I'm sure they will be. This kid is the consummate professional. He's showing that he's been on a. He's been on the radar here for four years, right? So, I mean, he, he's been in the what the queue for three, I believe. This was his second team Canada in the World Juniors anyway. He was really a non-factor two years ago. This was 
his team, and he still he missed two games with the injury. So to come back and play, and then play like he did, and his goals were all spectacular too. His release is, is just electrifying. His skating, his stick handling, his vision, he's aggressive, he's tough, he's got good size. He's the whole package, really, really is. So I don't know. Yeah, Jacques coming in, uh, hadn't thought of that. But uh, that, that could just be a nice byproduct of having who I think is probably one of the best assistant coaches in NHL history. I mean, I, 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 I think that's the role that's best suited for him. And I know he always wants to be a head coach and he's head coach and he's been successful and he's gone to, you know, uh, he's, he's, I mean, he, he had such a run here in Ottawa. I think, I think JD's got him in here to keep Quinn on his toes, buddy. He had Lindy in here last year. <laughs> yeah. Martin coming in too is also, uh, is going to be a good thing too as well for for Coach Q. The the whole spectacular, the you know. I wouldn't I wouldn't hire on, Jacques you know? Martin as a head coach ever. <laughs> I I mean I I think he's one of the best X's and O's guys yeah. as to what I just said in NHL history. Why did Wayne Gretzky want him on his staff? Because Jacques is that highly regarded and respected in terms of what he can do to set up structures, especially defensively. But when you you put him as a head coach, and I'm sorry. Look at if you exchange Jacques Martin and Pat Quinn behind the benches in those series against the Leafs, a Ottawa wins at least at least two of those, if not three, and b Ottawa probably wins a Stanley Cup. Wow! They probably win a cup at some point in around um, two thousand to three, somewhere in there. If they have a different coach than Jacques Martin and Jacques a friend, we've sparred before verbally. <laughs> we've had our couple of differences and who am I to him? I'm, you know, I'm a hockey historian. It's written a few books and travels around typically meeting people and talking hockey and whatever, you know what I do. And this is what I do here with you and everything else. He's one of the most successful guys to be behind a bench. Totally respect that. But having said that, I do not think he makes a good head coach, nor do I believe he will ever win a Stanley Cup as a head coach. He's missing a couple of key ingredients. And one of them, plain and simple, is the physicality that's needed today. You still need to have in your lineup, on occasion, guys who are ready to do the dirty work. And Jacques has never liked that or appreciated it, in my view. Yet, you know, I mean, he was a bench boss for Ottawa when they set the all-time penalty minute record against the Philadelphia Flyers. That was the only time. That he really cut loose. And you know why, Paulie? Because he had no choice. The team was going to go ahead and answer the bell anyway to back up Martin Havlat because they knew the Flyers were coming. So Havlat had 17 guys out there that night that were going, we don't care how many of you want to fight, we're fighting. And Jacques had no choice. And then people point back to March 5, 2004 when they set that record and say, oh, look about Jacques, about that. You know, you think he went in there? Like Terry O'Reilly did in Boston in 1988 when they were playing the Canadians after Claude Lemieux had run around. And, and Terry O'Reilly said to the Bruins, I don't give a flying GD who wins this game. But as long as Lemieux doesn't finish it, that's the only thing that matters. And Montreal won the game 8-1. 8-1. And, and uh, the Bruins come in the dressing room after. They had knocked Lemieux out. They ran him all game. Knocked him out in the second period. Basically almost put him on a stretcher. Out he goes. Out of the game. O'Reilly comes in after the game, says, good game, boys. See you, <laughs> see you practice tomorrow. They had lost 8-1. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. So there you go. Uh, 
Well, we look forward to Montan coming in here and hopefully helping uh, Quinn uh, coach these young Oh, guys. he will. He yeah, will. He's outstanding. Yeah. He's outstanding. And you got a good D there, man. Like, I, I love Truba. You know, there's some guys that don't know what they're going to do. You know, Mark Stahl. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah. He's at the end. Yeah. We got Foxy, and we'll see what happens with the end. Yeah, you got some guys. I'll tell you what. The Rangers, yeah. and now you get left around the air, and uh, I love that goalie. I really yeah. do. Sure, there. I think I told you that before we went, you and I stopped doing these things. I'm a big, big fan of that guy. And I, he had nothing when he came in there. Good on him to even dress and play. But you could tell he wasn't himself. I mean, he was for maybe the first 30, 35 minutes. And mm-hmm. then, you know, once they scored a couple on him, I think the, the team mailed it in. But you know what? I think the future's bright for your squad there, brother. Tons of money. Tons of draft picks. Oh, he's been tons, tons of, of cash That's for sure. <laughs> No, it's all good. Good stuff. All right, look, a couple of small things before we get to uh, the conference finals here, and then uh, we'll head towards our uh, our toast and our song here to wrap things yeah. up. Uh, I got to ask you, buddy, the Seattle Kraken. <laughs> what, what's Liam McGuire think of the Seattle Kraken? <laughs> I was so hoping they were going to go with the Metropolitans. I, I never really read any discerning story as to why they they decided not not to champion that, that Money, part of the baby. history. Money. Yeah. Well, what? Well, what's the difference? I mean, you're going to come up with a New Jersey anyway, so you know. But why not? Why not link to the history? I, I, I mean, they're the first American team to win the Stanley Cup, yeah, 1917, and 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 you you, you had that. Enough. Hey, it wasn't flashy enough. Yeah, I guess not. So we go with this thing. What is it anyway? It's a bird or something, eh? What is it? <laughs> <laughs> A dinosaur or something? I'll tell you know. what, buddy. Ever since everybody's shown me the Seagram 7 logo, yeah, I yeah. can't unsee it now. It's the Seagram <laughs> 7's logo. It's unbelievable. Okay, well, no, I like it then. <laughs> <laughs> I know you do. It's my favorite as well. <laughs> Put me to bed quite a few nights over the years. <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you a funny story. I was a young boy, a young boy when the NHL expanded. I was in grade two. We had just moved up here from Quebec City to where, where I grew up on the Cars Road south of Ottawa. And I was attending St. Leonard's Elementary in Manitick when I was playing in the schoolyard with my friends and said, oh, the NHL got six new teams, six new teams. There's a team called the Penguins. Like, who would call the team the Penguins? It seemed like the most ridiculous thing to a bunch of eight-year-olds playing marbles in the schoolyard at St. Leonard's, you know, in the fall of 1967. And and I remember that vividly. And now, you know, it's, I mean, it's second nature and you look at their history and everything else. And then people say, well, what about the Seals? Well, I don't know. The Seals were kind of, I mean, whatever, right? I mean, it's just the Kraken, I, I don't have any problem with it. Uh, I thought the logo, frankly, I thought the logo looked great. And I think the jersey looks awesome. And, yeah, you know, they're not going to get the same sweetheart deal across the board as uh, Vegas just absolutely pilfered 15 other GMs in the league. My God, uh, what George McPhee and company did there is unbelievable. Uh, Ronnie Francis and those guys, they won't have the same same opportunities. But they're still, they still should start out with a pretty good squad. I got no problem with the Kraken, Polly. I, I got no problem with it. How about you? I'm all right with it. I mean, look, I, I did, they had another one It was um... – some kind of fish or something. I can't remember right now. But hey, look, yeah. you know, at the end of the day, piranha, wasn't it? Was it the piranha? No, <laughs> <laughs> it was the guppy. No, <laughs> I don't know what it was. Hey, look, I, I, I get it. You know, it's it's in. You know, once you say it a few thousand times, like I said, I, I, ever since I've seen the Seagrams logo, now I, I can't unsee that. But uh, look, I think it's great for, for the league. Number one, uh, I've been to Seattle. It's a great city. 
It's a great sports city. Uh, I think it's going to be great to have them up there in the Northwest and Vancouver and San Jose, all that other stuff going on up there. So it's all good. It evens out the league. Um, so I'm all for it. And like I said, you know, I mean, come on. We have the Mighty Ducks. We got through that. We'll get through the crack, and it's it's all good. But uh, love the color exactly. scheme. And, uh, yeah, and look, I think it's just great for the league. And, the, you know, the the expansion draft will be interesting too. But uh, I just wanted to get your take on it. So I figured we get a, a bit of a good laugh there. So uh, good stuff. All right, buddy, look. So, look, yeah. we're, we've been running through as much as we could here. Um, we are with the final four teams here, Isles and Tampa, Knights and the Stars. I uh, just want to talk a little bit, obviously, you know, um, how they got here. You know, obviously the Islanders here, uh, hometown team, our rivals here, you know, me being a Ranger fan and everything else. Um, this team, obviously, uh, ever since Lamarillo and Trotz came here, it's just changed it. And obviously Ledecca, the ownerships and stuff. So uh, he's built, uh, I mean, I guess you just got to talk about what's going on in the ice here in Trotz and uh, built a really good team with, you know, you know, one of the reasons I brought up, you know, who who's a big star in the league, like who's the NHL biggest star tonight. You look at a team like the Islanders right now who really are just, doing this on a bunch of just hard-working, you know, a uh, bunch of players. You know, the goaltender is a little bit, obviously, Varley's an experienced guy and stuff, but Grice and everything. But, you know, um, you know, Trotz has basically put this team together and done well with it here in the, in the only two years that he's been here. And obviously, got, having a cut, tough go against it, against a very stacked, star-studded Tampa Bay Lightning team, which I think is just on a mission. They've gotten so close these last few years, ups and downs, obviously without Stamkos. Uh, Vass is just, uh, I think he's just a phenomenal goaltender. I don't see the Islanders winning the series. Um, but, you know, as far as the Islanders as an organization, it's great for them to be here. They played great. Uh, and then, you know, like I said, Tampa just, Tampa should have been here, probably won this thing already, but it's, it's another challenge for them. Uh, obviously, uh, getting past last year in, in Columbus and everything else. Over to the Knights, man. I mean, uh, what a franchise, like you just said. I mean, a lot of people don't realize, you know, what you brought up there as far as the draft, the the, the talent that they have, and here they are back, uh, an expansion team basically a couple of years ago and, and another chance at winning another Stanley Cup, obviously with another experienced coach, uh, Pete DeBoer. And then, you know, the Stars here too, man, had a, just an unbelievable run, and I think maybe a lot of people, maybe if you're out of market and stuff like that, you don't really pay too much attention uh, to what's going on, but you know the stars really have a star-studded lineup too, very uh, stacked with talent, uh, you know as well. So maybe outside the Islanders, maybe the the other three teams should be here. But I uh, just want to get your take on on the final four and and how do you think the things might shape up here next week? Yeah, well, I touched on it earlier. <clears throat> I think we're heading to a Tampa Vegas showdown, but. Uh... Uh, you know, I, mean, I think we're going to see a hell of a game tonight. Dallas and Vegas have exchanged shutouts here in the first two games. You had, I think, a Vegas team that didn't show their best in game one. I think you had a Dallas team didn't show their best in game two. Uh, some of that done by the opposition playing maybe some of their better hockey to date and leading to those two respective victories. So I think we're in a for a phenomenal game three tonight. <clears throat> the other series crushing loss, obviously, last night. Uh, for the Islanders who've been so sound defensively and to have that breakdown to nine seconds like that leading to the goal was, uh, you know, we're not used to that. But eventually you get four good teams in the semis just about every year and some somebody's going to meet their Waterloo. You know, it, it's it's just the nature of the beast and, and a good team's going to go down and or you're just going to run into whoever is going to be the eventual Stanley Cup champion and they're just that much. They're just that much better and they're going to get it done. I, I, we'll see how it plays out here, but... You're right. Uh, it does look like Tampa probably has too much. Now, we'll wait and see about the injuries and the suspensions potentially yeah. here and what, what that might affect the next game. 
and if that could uh, be enough to help um, the Islanders get on the board. I mean, if, if this is a must-win as much as a much win, you know, I, as you know, much as a game can be. Yeah. Liam, I said just real quick, the only way Tampa loses this series is stupidity and injuries. Yeah. As far as and, and here we are in game two, and, and you bring up a good point as far as you know where that's going to go. Well, like I said, look, Luke Shen confronting Matt Martin at the blue line last night, you did not see once, not one incident of that last year when Columbus swept them. You look at the changes they have made to their lineup, uh, Maroon, Bogosian, even Shen, you know, the, 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 the entire, it goes back to what I said about Jacques Martin and how, how you have to build a hockey team today, even in 2020, you have to understand the need for physicality, the need at times, sometimes for um, what, you know, however you want to call it. It's, it's, it's not that I'm referring specifically to fighting, but I'm referring to the physicalness that's sometimes yeah. does lead to fights. And yeah. it certainly leads to you wanting to impose your will physically on your opposition because in a full contact game with alpha males primarily in their 20s and in great shape, there's still an element of that that's involved. I don't care what area you're in. They Obviously, we all know. They took Nelson off his game last night. Hey, They took Nelson off his game last night. Oh, no, no question. I mean, yeah. albeit illegally, you know, with that hit, that was brutal. <laughs> but uh, having, having said that, uh, the fact remains is that, you know, Columbus stood up and just punched them in the mouth last year, and Tampa had no answer. And this year, on top of having an unbelievably talented team, well-coached in the whole nine yards, they're also ready to go that route if you want to go which I think would be a great matchup against uh, Vegas because Vegas are, are top-heavy, man, and they're good to go physically as well. Obviously, we all know about Ryan Reeves, and he can change the complexion of a game in one shift, yeah. uh, even though he plays like eight minutes. So it's – it's uh, it's uh, look, it, uh, so far, so good. I mean, Islanders bounced back. You knew there was no way they were getting smoked again in game two, and they didn't. And they were full measure uh, for the lead and uh, tough goal to give up. That they did, had been seen, I shot, you know, whatever, the icing, controversial or not, that happens 20 times a game. So win the draw, that's, you know, you've got an opportunity there to still do something about it, and they didn't. And and then Hedman is, uh, Hedman's a beast, and, and that's become his go-to spot from the point. Low, hard, inside the post, stick side, you know, if you're a left-hand catching goalie, which most are. And he scored on it last night, and then they get a bonus one, you know, with 7.8 seconds. It is what it is. Good teams find a way to win. So they're up 2 nothing. so we'll see. But I think we're heading to a Tampa-Vegas final. I kind of hope that's the case because I just think it would be hockey that we haven't... I mean, last year's final was outstanding, too. Don't get me wrong. Man, yeah. St. Louis coming out like they did. Losing Game 6 at home to go back and, and do what they did to Boston in Game 7 was un, unfreaking believable. But, you know, and then prior to that, you got to go back. You could say Boston-Vancouver in 2011, but that was... So games five and six, you know, even four, it, it's just, I don't know. It, it was, it went seven games, but it wasn't, wasn't the series to me that, that I think we could see here with a, with a Vegas Tampa. So we'll see, pal. Uh, I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled with what I've seen. I can't wait for tonight. And uh, I, I, I think we're in for a, for a great final, whoever does emerge, but I'm calling, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm really stepping out on a limb here. I'm calling Tampa Vegas, but uh, we'll, we'll see how it plays out. That's all right, man. Yeah. And that's the thing, man. It's uh uh, you know, if if actually the last round had anything, you know, to to show for it is uh, is 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 the unknown that's still ahead. And uh, the the Islanders, like I said, they showed some uh, some willpower in the last game. And like I said, these different things that happen in hockey, uh, all the different factors. But then the NNA, you got to put that puck in the net. And Kucherov was there, and that's uh, you know that's where we're riding here. But it's it is it's it's great hockey. 
Uh, and it's great to be talking about live hockey with you right now again, too, So, which is great. Um, hey, look, you know, before we um, went off air and then before everything started, you, you talked about, you know, one of the things that we were going to probably lose in this tournament was the handshake. Uh, yeah. Different from the beginning, but uh, it was great to see it come back there, right? Yeah, yeah, I absolutely loved it. I saw that, like, in the playing games, a lot of the guys were just doing the fist pump, right? And then uh, I think I, I think everybody in the first round losses uh, was handshaking. So so I, I, I loved it. I saw a couple people write on social media that they think the whole thing should be discontinued again, you know, just a cancel society just raising their <laughs> ugly heads again. But uh, uh, as far as I'm concerned, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of it, Pauly. I mean, uh, I, I think, as I said, uh, I believe in it's a, it's a history that goes back to 1908, the Hodge Stewart Memorial All-Star Game, the first ever handshake between Art Ross and Frank Patrick. I think that's where it all began, and that's what led to the evolution of it post-game as we see it today. And I think it's one of the greatest traditions in sports, and I'm, I'm thrilled to see it still. Absolutely. It's great stuff. Well, unbelievable here. Another hour's flown by. So me and you have not lost a step, my friend. So this, is a, <laughs> this has been great to do this again. So look, um, let's head into our um, – we'll do the toast here, and, and then uh, we'll yeah. stick with what we did uh, during the lockdown, which was the uh, a little bit for – a little nod to the uh, – the Irish music, yes. Yeah. So, uh, Liam, if you don't mind, I'll just start off my toast here, and then uh, I'd actually maybe just ask you for a couple of words on this, too. There's two things I just want to do here, and, and the first one I'll ask you to, to give a few words on. Obviously, um, uh, you know, 9-11 is tomorrow, uh, obviously, in Washington, New York, here in America. So uh, I'm thinking of everybody we lost and thinking of everybody, uh, you know, another anniversary of this and through everything that's going on. So that'll be my first toast uh, in terms of uh, never forgetting 9-11 here. Uh, especially here in New York. Um, so that's a, a big moment for us here tomorrow. And um, I want to uh, just maybe ask you for just a couple of quick notes. I know you did a video uh, on we lost Dale Howichuk this uh, past August to uh, stomach cancer. And, you know, me and you, obviously, you're just a, just a, you know, you're about a block older than me there, uh, Liam. I don't <laughs> so you're an old man compared to me. But, you know, we're guys who grew up through the 70s and the 80s and the 90s, obviously, in terms of the, uh, our hockey history and, and everything else. And, and Dale was just a guy that I always loved and, you know, Winnipeg and Buffalo and all that other stuff. And he was just one of those guys that, you know, you always, he was just always a great guy, stand up guy. So it was sad to see him go, uh, to, to, to lose him. Um, so I wanted to recognize him in the toast today. And, uh, I'd also like, you know, everyone tell everybody, I know you posted a video, just tell everybody where they can go watch that. And, and also just maybe just a quick take here on, on, on today's episode for Dale. Okay, buddy. Yeah, I know absolutely, and and uh, I want to echo your sentiments uh, about all all the victims uh, from nine eleven, the world's greatest uh, tragedy in our lifetime, definitely, and uh, just just uh, just an, uh, just 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 terrible, and uh, it's that's a uh, it's an anniversary. It should always be remembered of uh, the grotesque things that happened that day, uh, largely to the United States of America, but there were a number of Canadians killed that day too, Paulie, and. And uh, certainly remember them every uh, every September 11th as well. So so I, I applaud you for that, and I, I wholeheartedly endorse that that toast. Dale Howard Chuck um, uh, was an acquaintance. Uh, I worked with him several times. Uh, we lost him, as you said, uh, just a short while ago. 57 years of age, far too young. Cancer, stomach cancer. He beat it, reoccurred, and uh, sadly took his life. And uh, to me, he's one of the greatest hockey players of all time. Um, he had six 100-point seasons in his first seven years. He was a Calder Trophy winner. He was a perennial all-star. He, uh, <clears throat> you know, he just had the misfortune of playing with the Jets in his prime when when uh, Gretzky was in Edmonton and the Oilers were so strong and Calgary were 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 really the second beasts of the West and Winnipeg just just couldn't find a foothold there and 
and uh, not not for lack of trying on his part. And he bounced around with some other teams and ended up in his final season in 1997, making a Stanley Cup final with the Philadelphia Flyers. But I think in this country, he's Canadian, obviously, by birth uh, in the Oshawa area. He played junior in Cornwall. He was drafted first overall, rightfully so. We're talking about Alex Lafreniere. Believe me, Dale Howard Chuck was all that in a bag of chips. He was he had won back-to-back Memorial Cups, which is incredibly difficult to do. And, and um, yeah, he didn't win a Stanley Cup. But his play on the international scene for Canada, uh, most notably the 87 Canada Cup, but also the 1991 Canada Cup. He was one of our top guns offensively. But he'll always be remembered for winning the draw, uh, Game 3, Canada-Russia, 1987 Canada Cup, with a buck and a half to go in the game. And... Uh, and and him and Beekoff raced down the ice. He gave Beekoff, uh, who he beat on the draw, a little tug. And Beekoff went down like he was shot from the grassy knoll. Goharski didn't buy it, didn't call it. And uh, the rest is history. As Wayne threw it back to Mario, he hit uh, high glove, uh, game, series, match, tournament, championship, over, baby. And it all started <laughs> with uh, Dale Howardchuck winning that draw. The funny thing about that is they put, they put Wayne and Mario and Dale out. And, and Mike Keenan... Told, told Wayne to take the draw, and he went out there, and he told Mary, he said, I'm not taking it. You take it. And Mario said, I'm not taking it. He said, Dale, you take it. So Dale said, I really didn't have a choice. Neither oh, Wayne or Mario wanted to take the draw. So <laughs> Dale ended up taking the draw. I think that's one of the greatest stories. That's the greatest story. That's a true. And it, 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 that most people don't know. And and uh, the rest is history, obviously. But um, I, I, uh, I did say in the video, I'll just share the anecdote very, very quickly. I did a gig in Cornwall with Bobby Hall and Dale was there and Bobby and I were up on stage and Dale was heckling him the whole time. <laughs> he was just giving it to him. They're best of friends. They like, they, they loved each other. And, 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 uh, and Bobby had connections to Cornwall too, mostly through his son. He had a son that played junior A there. And, and, and uh, <laughs> I said this on the video was, and Dale's yelling at him, where are all your assists, man? He scored all those goals. Jeez, you ever passed the puck? Like what the hell? You know, stats, he's giving it to him we're on stage. Hey, me and Bobby, it's crazy. And then, uh, and then Bobby, he, he always talked, he, he talks a very slow drawl, almost Southern United States drawl. And, and he's very formal and he's very measured. And he said, Mr. Howard Chuck, I only passed the puck to get in a better position to get it back so I could shoot it. <laughs> he said that and the whole place just broke up and we finished off the stage on the stage we came off and Bobby walked over and Dale stood up and they hugged each other. I will never forget that. I will never, ever forget that. Like the mutual respect and the admiration as a Cornwall, you know, he was like a native son for what, what he did in Cornwall as a hockey player, Dale Howarchuk, and and uh, let alone his, his NHL attributes. So good on you, Pauly, to bring up, uh, bring up his name as well. And I, I got one I want to throw in too, pal. Go ahead, man. Well, 20... Seven years ago today, okay, 27 years ago today, it was a Friday night, and a man in his early 30s took a limo down to Montreal with his girlfriend, and he went to the Montreal Forum, and the building was completely empty. It was 7.30 at night, 27 years ago today, September 10th, 1993. And that man took his girlfriend out to center ice and was the only man and the only couple in the history of the Montreal Forum 
which was open for hockey for 71 years, three months, and 17 days. And they were the only couple to ever get engaged at center ice of that fabled, the most winning building in the history of sports. And a year later to the day, 26 years ago today, that couple got married. They're no longer married, but they're still great friends. And they raised two fantastic children. And they would be my children, Rory and Shannon McGuire. And I'm talking about my ex-wife, Liz, who I proposed to 27 years ago today and married 26 years ago today. And she's been texting me while we've been doing the show <laughs> because she wants me to take her dog this weekend because she's going to Mont Tremblant to party with the girls. And I said, Liz, happy anniversary. No problem at all. Be glad to take them. And so there you go. So I'm going to toast my ex-wife and on the anniversary and Dale Howard, Chuck, and all of the victims that lost their lives tragically in that 9-11 massacre. And uh, I, that's how I'm going to go out. Good stuff. Cheers. Cheers, buddy. Good stuff. Unbelievable. And you have pictures of that, right, on the ice, right, you and Liz? Yeah, yeah they did a story on us. In Montreal, uh, in the magazine, <clears throat> they did a story on us. So they've got it where I got a copy of the picture. They have um, Liz and I sitting on, um, on, on, on the Montreal Canadian bench. <clears throat> and then in the inset, it's uh, me on one knee. Now, I remember it very well, too. It was 7.35 p.m. I said, Liz, I got a trivia question for you, okay? And the answer is yes. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, it was pretty. Yeah, uh, it's pretty funny. And, so and look, uh, anyways, yeah. So, buddy, you, you gotta. So, how did you gotta tell us real quick? How did you? How did you arrange that? How did you work? You just went <laughs> off about it's the most storied building. Blah blah blah. Nobody else has ever done it. So, how did well, you I get didn't it tell done? Her. I didn't. I didn't tell her. I, there's no way I could have told her. But I mean, how did she. You, but how did you make it? How did you? So you had to get approval well, from somebody. Yeah, I did. I did. I, I had the idea. Um, you know, Liz and I kind of had a whirlwind romance. I, I met her April 3rd, and this was the same year. I met her April 3rd, 93, and six months later, we were engaged. So things kind of happened very quickly between us, and I was just very certain that I'd met the right girl, and I was going to get married, and, you know, I was trying to think of doing something different, sort of in Liam McGuire fashion, and I the Montreal Forum, I was there 344 times. 78 of those were playoff games over 21 years. May 1st, 75 to the final night, Monday night, March 11, 96. And uh, that, that building is like my second home. And, and to me, uh, it had to be there. And I, I just felt that in hindsight, even though she may not like it initially, I thought in hindsight, Liz would come around to it. It would be okay. <laughs> but, so I, I, rented a, I, I contacted Dick Irvin. Okay. And Dick, and Dick said, well, uh, the Montreal Canes just hired a new, a new uh, PR guy. His name's Donald Beauchamp. And you're, he's not on the job yet, even Liam, but he starts, uh, he's, he's, he starts soon and that summer, late that summer. And, and you can, uh, try and connect with him. And the, one of the trainers on the Habs was a man named John Shipman. And I, I, we had a mutual friend and I talked to him and he was ready to take care of everything inside the building. Once he got the green light, Dick Irvin said he would put in a word for me. And that got me in the door with Donald Beauchamp. And then I went and met him and, I've, I've seen him. He's now retired uh, from that position with the Habs. And uh, every time I see him still, because he has season tickets and he goes, and when I go, I go to the alumni lounge and I see him in there and he says, and we just laugh about it. He says, you know, Liam, I was a week on the job when you asked me. I was so shocked. He said, I probably should never have allowed it. 
but <laughs> it it seemed it seemed you know everyone knew who you were and uh, you know there was no real there was no security issues or nothing. It wasn't during a game, but you know the fact that we had all the lights on for you in the building, I still can't get over. <laughs> 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 they had every light on, every single light on, as That's if you were going into a game. Wow. We pulled right up front where the hockey sticks, the escalators cross, that famous opening scene on Hockey Night in Canada that yeah. people watched for decades. That's where Liz and I walked in. And we walked right out to center ice with not one other single person in the building and every single light on. I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy when you think about it. That's 27 years ago today. Today. Yeah, un, un, unbelievable, unbelievable. So uh, oh, that's how it happened. Almost as long as the last championship in that building. Oh, I know, I know. We we sent the forum out in uh, in a good way. It lasted uh, three more years, and and unfortunately, it looks like the ghosts and uh, uh, didn't didn't make the didn't make the trip down uh, Rennie Levesque, <laughs> Rennie Levesque Boulevard. They got stuck at the old Dublin there, corner oh, university. They, they didn't make the right-hand turn down to the uh, what was then the Molson Center and now the Bell Center. And, uh, yeah, they haven't won a thing since uh, maybe, maybe I jinxed them. I don't know. Maybe Liz and I need to go back and renew our vows at the Bell yeah, Center. Well, maybe mine won't think about that, buddy. <laughs> if you have fans that might drive you down to themselves. <laughs> Good stuff. Well, there you go. That's my total. All right. Uh, well, look, everybody, thanks so much for uh, for tuning in, downloading, and streaming, and uh, for all the fans who've been uh, hanging in there for us and waiting for us. Uh, it's been great to get back up. Me and Liam are going to do this. Um, uh, we're going to go forward. We'll be back here next Thursday. We'll do this again. And uh, what we're going to continue to do, like I said, is we're going to do our little nod to uh, Irish music, uh, something myself and, and Liam have been raised on, raised on songs and stories. And I had posted that today in the promo, and I did not know, Liam, that you were going to, uh, you know, pick the song today that we're going to do right now. But tell everybody about it. I'll let you set it up, and then we'll let the music play out. So once again, everybody, thanks so much for listening. Yeah, thank you, uh, everybody, for rejoining us, those that have. And, and hopefully uh, we'll continue going as Paulie and I continue to roll out sticks and taps. Uh, hopefully you can tell how much we love doing it. And uh, I love the guy, and, and uh, I think we've got a great relationship. Hopefully that comes through. And, and I just think it's unique what we do with the Irish music, and I hope you hang around for it as well. We, we, we did run pretty much half of the, um, of the, of the uh, library of the Clancy Brothers, so uh, we were just stepping away from that, as you know, Paulie, when we kind of stopped uh, Sticks and Taps here a few months back. And, and this is a song that actually was only written in the 1970s. So it's not one of these old classics that goes back decades and decades. It's, it, it has a couple of different names, but it's more, more commonly referred to as In the Rare Old Time. Dublin City in the Rare Old Time, In the Rare Old Time, however you want to. And the, the, the group, I feel, that, that personified it and uh, made the most hay with it was the Dubliners themselves, appropriately named. And they were led by a man named Ronnie Drew. Uh, he passed away more than 10 years ago now, I believe. And, uh, but he was born just a few years after my dad. My dad was born in Dublin in 1929. Ronnie Drew was born in Dublin in 1934. So they shared a lot of the same, what Dublin was in those rare old times. And uh, my dad used to tell us about it. And when we first went to Dublin, it was 1968. And I have memories of being a young boy and, and seeing some of the city of what it was like then. And it's changed so much. I've been back many times, but, but I just thought this song to kick off you and I coming back and we reminisce a lot. I talk a lot about the history. I turn the clock back a lot. 
like Dick Irvin said, and I just mentioned his name, and I converse with him all the time. He's like an uncle to me. I love that guy, too. And he said, Liam, you know, my late wife used to say, my God, Dick, you live in the past a lot. And he said, you know what, though? The past was very good to me. The past was very, very good to me. So I, I, I like living there and I like talking about it. And that's the same for me. My past was good to me. And my dad's past in Dublin was good to him. And it was good to Ronnie Drew. And they sing it. This song was number one in Ireland, by the way, in 1978. And, and uh, I hope you listen to it. And I don't care where you're from. If, if you listen to this, wherever you're from, whatever part of the world, you think about where you grew up and when you grew up. If you've got a few miles on the odometer, you probably will be able to put in your own memories as you listen to this song. I 100% guarantee that. This is Ronnie Drew and the Dubliners in Dublin in the rare old times. It's a great song, Liam. And if you don't mind, uh, my Uncle Jim, great singer, um, my mother's brother, obviously. Um, this is his song that he would sing every Christmas, every family gathering. Uh, for us, wow. so I was introduced to this song uh, by my uncle Jim, and he's struggling with some uh, some health problems these days. And I want to uh, also dedicate this to him too. And I, I, you know, when you when you said you were going to do this today, um, I instantly thought of my uncle Jim. And um, that's cool. So here's Uncle Jim and Dublin the Railroad Times, and it is a great song. So uh, with that said, uh, again, everybody, thanks so much for listening, and thanks for tuning in for Sticks and Taps. And as always, Liam, I'll let you say g'day to the folks. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Enjoy the music. Crack a whiskey. We'll catch you next time. Get eight. Raised on songs and stories, heroes of renown, the passing tales and glories that once was Dublin town, the hallowed halls and houses the haunting children's rhymes that once was part of Dublin in the rare old times. Ring a ring a rosy as the light declines. I remember Dublin City in the rare old times. Oh, me name it is Sean Dempsey As Dublin as could be Born hard and late in Pimlico In a house that ceased to be By trade I was a cooper Lost out to redundancy Like my house that fell to progress My trade's a memory And I courted Peggy Dignam As pretty as you please I rogue in a child of Mary From the rebel liberties I lost her to a student chap with skin as black as coal When he took her off to Birmingham She took away my soul Ring a ring a rosy As the light 
twenty times I remember Dublin City In the rare old times Oh, the years have made me bitter The gargle dims me brain Cause Dublin keeps on changing And nothing seems the same The pillar and the met have gone The royal long since pulled down As the grey unyielding concrete Makes a city of my town Ring a ring a rosy As the light declines I remember Dublin City In the rare old times Fare thee well, sweet Annaliffy I can no longer stay And watch the new glass cages That spring up along the cave My mind's too full of memories Too old to hear new chimes I'm a part of what was Dublin In the rare old times Ring a ring a rosy As the light declines I remember Dublin City In the rare old times Ring a ring a rosy As the light declines I remember Dublin City in the rain.